This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. And if you like what you're hearing, which, come on, let's face it, you do. Make sure to tell a friend. You can find us on iTunes, the app, or my site, AllisonRosen.com. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with her good times never end. Allison Rosen, doing the way we dance dance again. Allison Rosen, Allison's your new best friend. Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I'm sitting here with David Wayne. This is very exciting because I'm a big fan. Uh, hi, Allison. Hello. And you did something which I love, which is you rocked out during the song. It's a great song. Thank you. You know what they said? My father was in the radio business and one of his things was a hit is a hit. <laughs> if it's in the grooves, it's there. And yeah. that's got what it takes. That's what I keep telling everyone. I assume it's creeping up the charts slowly but surely. Yeah. It'll be number one any day. And you did a move that no one has done yet, which I feel like everyone should do, which is you did air drumming over your head. Oh, yeah. Because my drum set has um, cymbals and gongs up up where my arms, if I have to reach up high to get them. Right. You drum in all directions. Yeah, because I have that many pieces and that many roto-toms. I think it's probably a rack mount for my drum tech nerd following. That's what she said. Yes. Rack mount. <laughs> um, so you are actor, writer, director, producer. I mean, you name father, it. I've half asked. Husband. It. Yeah, exactly. What have, what have you whole asked? What have I whole asked? Right now I'm whole assing magic tricks. Really? Like card tricks. That's, that's my sort of current full on obsession. Wait, is that true? Yeah. That, okay. This is such a weird thing because just to. So I write this column. Um, which is due every Monday at noon. So before noon every Monday, I'm furiously writing it and thinking I really should have started this sooner. Um, But I was just – something made me remember that I went through this phase in New York. I used to live in New York. We'll get into it. Me too. Yes, we'll get into the fact that you're fresh from New York. I'm a recent transplant. Yeah. So I – longed to be able to do that thing where you shuffle cards in a cool way, like that accordion thing. Oh, yeah. How cool would that – cool, not cool would that be? Very cool. But there's – nowhere on the internet does it explain that. However, on the internet, what it explains is how to do card tricks. So I got briefly obsessed with card tricks. I know. You can get sort of sucked into the YouTube uh, card trick tutorial matrix right. rabbit hole. And then I worried that I'd become that person who did them at parties. Yeah. Well, I have become that person. And for some people, it's annoying. But for more more than that, it's cool. <laughs> are you good? Although I did – I've, I've done card tricks for some people who are like, you just did that to like seem sexy, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, it worked. Wow. Yeah. Where do you hang out? Cool places. <laughs> I can't say the address. <laughs> right. Um, so – so wait, are you good at do you like how many do you I've know? I've got well, you know, when I was a kid, I was really into magic, and so then, and I gave it up when I hit puberty because it wasn't cool, cool in my world anyway. And th- but I did go to magic camp when I was twelve. <gasps> I knew that you went to summer camp because you are you directed co co wrote and co directed Wet Hot American Summer. I directed it and I co wrote it. Okay, directed and co wrote 
And so I know that you've talked a lot about your own summer camp experiences. Yeah. But Camp Modine? Camp Moden. Moden. That was not the magic camp, right? You that also was not went to, the magic camp. Also I, went to a magic camp. One summer, instead of going to Camp Moden, I went. To, I did tennis camp at home. Mm-hmm. And then I went away for a week to Tannen's Magic Camp in Long Island, wow. which was a bunch of all, ma- all boys aged like 7 to 17. And I was on the younger side and uh, walking around doing tricks. Do they have like um, workshops and things? Oh, yeah. How does that workshops go? and classes and shows and hang out and I, I don't even remember that much. Why didn't you return? You know, I just – I took a magic class when I was even younger than that and the teacher who I loved said, David, I predict as <laughs> this is what will happen to you because it happens to everyone. Around the time you discover girls, you will give up magic. Oh. And I said, no way. I'm never giving it up. I'm going to be the best magician in the world. That's what I'm going to do. And he was right. It's, but now you're – have you now given I'm up girls? Now I'm back in it. Now I'm sort of deciding I think I might give up girls and go back to magic. Right. And so now in my mid-40s, I am just full on. Would you ever don a cape? Uh, I would, but it would have nothing to do with that. OK. Just in your – you just bring it into your personal life? It's more like a, it's related to Superman. So maybe magic for, is for boys as horseback riding is for girls. Because most girls go through a horseback riding phase. And then they get back into it in their 40s? Yes. And they have midlife <laughs> issues? I think so, when, when their bones are <laughs> extra brittle. Um, so you just and moved out here. I did. How's it going? I, I, well, I, I lived in Cleveland when I was growing up. Then when I was 18, I moved to New York. And then 26 quick years later, here I am in L.A. <laughs> What what made you decide to do it? I've, just, I've been working more than not in L.A. for 10 years. And it just became – hard to commute. I have kids, I have wife, and it just was like, became logistically really difficult. So here I am. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you. Do you feel welcomed? I feel very different now that I'm an Angelino. (laughs) (laughs) So was most of the work you were doing based out here? Like, did you always have to come out here for work? I either came out here or I had to work via Skype or remotely, or I would sometimes finagle things to happen in New York, but it was never, yes, basically... It could, I could have been in L.A. the last 10 years and it would have been a lot easier. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just the way it's, – it's, it's a shame because all of the comedic people that I was peers with growing up you know, in my 20s and 30s all were in New York and one by one they've all migrated out here. That's how it seems to me. It seems – because around the time maybe a little bit before I left, which was a couple years ago, um, it just seemed like the – all the entertainment work that was there at one point was 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 in LA. Right. It moved, and I wondered: is that just my perception? Like, who who moves to New York these days to pursue a dream anymore? Well, I do think that there is a strain of very cool people that do that, and I think that there's a lot of really cool stuff that I'm too old and too unhip to know about happening in Brooklyn. And I just think there's a lot of. The more I look around, there is a lot of very interesting, very cool stuff happening in New York. However. It doesn't happen to be in my immediate world, and so. But um, at one point, it was. Is that because you were younger, or there just was more of it? Well, I mean, I went to NYU, and my core of people I knew were people who also went to NYU or had came from other schools to New York when I was in my early twenties, and everyone was there. And then, little by little, just one by one, everybody moved to LA. Everyone in the state, everyone that I was around, and so. Uh, I just became more and more isolated, you know, in terms of collaborators and, and so on. There, however, there are still amazing, great p- 
people that I love and would love to work with who are in New York. And I may very well move back. Who's to say? Yeah, Michael Ian Black lives in Connecticut. Michael Black lives in Connecticut. Louis C.K., of course, is there. And, you know, Yorma Taccone, Mike Babiglia. I mean, there's really a a great community still there. Uh, John Benjamin, Eugene Merman. But um, it's just the numbers are less and less and less. Mm -hmm. How old are your kids? Two and five. And do you think it, it will be easier for them out here? Uh, I think it will be easier in some ways and harder in other ways. I think, you know, L.A. and New York are two very complicated, very different places, and they each have their pros and cons, and I like them both. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you get into entertainment after Magic? Well. Uh, and Gary, do we need? does he need to be closer to the microphone or are we good? We're good? Sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Um <laughs> I, I th- the the question implies that um, magic is not entertainment. And now I'm rude. offended. On be- on behalf of magic, I'm like freaking out here. I'm so- you handle it well. Um, I'm gonna like just I'm gonna like putting my foot in my I'm gonna mouth. push through this. Thank you. And I'm gonna try to walk through the fire and just like land somewhere and try to continue this. But oh my god. This is one of those things where I didn't even know I said something insulting and I'll go on thinking that we've become good friends and this, then you'll just be like, I can't. All I know is this is – from what I can tell, this has already gone viral because of what you said. <laughs> um, people You're are talking right. about it. Yeah. There's a whole think piece on HuffPo about like what did you mean? Yeah, I know. Um, people are waiting for a comment from me and I think I'm just going to I'm just gonna release Miley's comment. Yeah, you know, or, or you know what I would do is just like wait it out. Wait till the next news cycle. Yeah. Then you'll survive this one. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. How did I get – well, I was always into it. I was always making videos. I was like really into making little shorts or shows or skits and videos with my friends and that's what I still do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very short story really. Um, did you have siblings? Do you have siblings? I have three much older sisters. How, how much is much? Uh, nine, 11 and 13 years older okay. than me. And they would go out with their boyfriends and so on uh, or, or they would – you know, they would babysit me. Uh, with their boyfriends and, and I would sit, go in the basement with my friends and just like make little shows uh, either on video or I'd rehearse them and show them to my sisters and God bless them for sitting through all this <laughs> who knows what uh, stuff I was doing. And then um, – How were you making videos back in the day? Well, I, I was 12 in 1982 basically uh, and I think that's around the time my father brought home from his office. His company had a video camera which was a huge – piece of machinery with two big units that you would have to hold on either shoulder. You'd break your back holding (laughs) it and VHS tape rolling through it. And it was very hard to get an image. But I played around with that with my friends and I had a blast and I loved it. Did you ever do the the magic trick where you'd stop the camera and then remove an object and then turn it back on and make it disappear? Because I did that. So often. I'm not even kidding. I mean, that was one of my real stalwarts. I also had a show called Cleveland Rocks. I was lived in Cleveland. I was mm-hmm. I was it was ostensibly a overview of the Cleveland rock scene and what's going on, but I would play all the different correspondents and all the different <laughs> characters and it was just me babbling and I I watched it somewhat recently with my wife and it's literally like me just not having any idea what I'm going to say and just be like, "Well, here we are." Uh, at the show of uh, all shows uh, here uh, in the house of the house. Okay. And just like, and goes on and on. And I, my, my poor family, I would then sit them down and make them watch. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, who did you think was funny when you were growing up? Uh, I worshipped Steve Martin. 
I was uh, my friend, my sister's boyfriend brought home the Let's Get Small record and just played it over and over again. And I ingested all that. And then we got Betamax tapes of his early NBC specials. And though, and those and, and the early Woody Allen movies were the things that just sort of seeped into my subconscious permanently, as well as um, Saturday Night Live, you know, early Saturday Night Live, best of primetime specials that we had on Betamax that I watched over and over and over and over. Did you ever want to be on SNL? Yeah, it was my it was totally my dream, and one of the reasons I moved to New York, uh, I mean, that I went to college in New York, um, but. I had the interesting experience of joining a sketch comedy group in college, which ultimately became the state. And somewhere early on in the experience of doing the state, my dream of being on SNL kind of went away. And I said, no, I want to do a, my own thing. I don't want to be part of this um, larger, more established thing. I want to do my own thing. And I think that has kind of defined some of the choices I've made since then too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wondering um, – I was reading your – bio on your website, um, the one that you wrote, and then you were talking about uh, how Role Models was like a, the, a big budget studio movie yeah. versus the other ones you've done. What was, how did the experiences differ? Um, in some ways, I was more – I was surprised that they were basically the same thing when you get down to it. Like they're – you know, you're figuring out where to put the camera and how to tell the story and what's the funniest joke and how do you edit it. And all those things are similar, but the – machine around it and the sort of the bullshit you have to deal with and the um, the number of cooks, of, of course, those, those affect it a lot. And uh, I think it's harder to make the freshness and the comedy survive that machine, the big budget machine, than it is when you're doing something small and indie. Because there are more people weighing there's in? There's more people. There's more stakes. There's more money. There's – yeah, the, the – the stars have um, needs. You know, everybody has needs, and it's just it feels like there's weight on it. And you have to, if you want to make something light and fun, and you know, have a good time, then you have to try to ignore all that. And it's not as easy as it is when you're literally running around with no money at a summer camp or, or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, so, you know, I feel sometimes I look at things that were the least expensive, quickest things I've ever done, the Stella shorts or other things that I'm like, that was easy, much easier to make really funny, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, um, if there is one thing that you're most proud of that you've done, or is there one thing? Um, I took kind of a massive poop. This <laughs> How would you describe the shape? Um, it was like, it looked like sort of um, like if you, if you took one healthy, fresh kielbasa, but then cut it in three quarters. Okay. And then it had just a nice brown texture to it that was had a, a, a sheen. Okay. And um, had you, you know eaten something greasy? Or? Well, you know what I do is when I make a good one like that, I usually fork it up in the toilet and then <laughs> photograph it. Um, yeah. It's a stupid thing. This a gallery thing that they hired me to do. I'm touring Europe. It's so silly. Um, but apparently, it's going to be on the cover of uh, Vanity Fair. I guess. So. Wow! Congratulations. Oh, it's no big deal. It's really no big deal. But in when it's in or on the cover of Vanity Fair in the bottom right, will it say taken in David Wayne's toilet, yeah. Los Angeles, and then I mean, the date? They're doing this whole thing where it's like I'm guest editing Vanity Fair because apparently like the whole theme is like who has the largest penis in show business and apparently it's me and blah, blah, blah. It's so stupid. I don't even want to talk about it if it's okay. It must be a burden. It's hard. It's yeah. hard. Because people can don't see it for you. It's just That's that guy the thing. It's like my eyes are up here. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know if it's amazing poo or amazing poops. 
recently I had that discussion with my mom and my sister because um, my mom refers to farts as poops growing oh, up. It, that's That weird. was always poop. Was I hope that word. wasn't a self-fulfilling prophecy. No. Good. No, I don't even think she knows the, the term shart. Okay, good. But just growing up, we always, poop was always this like friendly term for fart. But then my, <laughs> my sister had to really drive it home to her that when you say poop, people think of poo. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> just like when you say like nuclear power plant, people think of a nuclear power plant. Right, as opposed to like a dandelion. Right. Although wouldn't it be great if we could replace nuclear power with dandelions? Yes. And then eradicate war? If only President Obama would listen to what we're talking about, the whole world would change. But anyway, I'm sorry. I think I've, I've, I've derailed this. No, I feel like I did. In fact, I already wish I hadn't said that thing about my mom. But it's just it's true and it happened recently. OK. No, I was asking of, of um, all the projects. Oh, like what are you well, most proud of? I mean, I don't know. I have different fond feelings about all different things. I mean, all of the things that were or that formed organically, that I did with my friends, um, th- I feel good about in different ways. I mean, I, I, I've done five movies now. I'm finishing the fifth one, and I do really like th- – I mean, I'm, I'm not a uh, – I'm not one of those guys who's like, all my stuff is shit. I, 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 I like the stuff I've done. Um, you know, What Had American Summer is special to me. I mean, I, it's hard not to divorce it from the um, experience of making it. Um, and to see it for what it is. But certainly that one, when I've seen recently and tried to watch as its own movie, it seems really funny to me. Um, but, you know, I love the stuff I'm doing right now. I, I, you know, we're airing the current season of Children's Hospital right now, and I'm really proud of that too. I love Stella. Thank you. How, how did you – what was the experience of doing the Comedy Central show like? Well, um, Stella was the show on Comedy Central with the th- me, Michael Black, and Michael Showalter. And um, – it was a, an outgrowth of a bit, you know, of a series of shorts we had done, that, and they in turn were an outgrowth of a series of nightclub shows we had done in New York. Um, the show on Comedy Central was physically grueling and difficult. It was a it was a summertime shoot. It was extremely hot. We had a soundstage that had broken air conditioning, and it actually affected the whole feel of the shoot. Um, and it was just a grueling project. We chose for whatever reason to have no writers. And so we wrote it and produced and directed and did everything ourselves and editing. And, and it was it was just – I remember it just being really hard. And a lot of – you know, we fought the three of us, you know, sometimes tr- trying to just get it right. But I love it. I, I'm very, very proud of that. And I feel like we did something really weird and interesting. And I can't believe that Comedy Central let us put it on. And I wish they had let us do another season. Mm. Um but I remember very vividly all the time, you know, these grizzled New York crew people sitting there and me trying to both direct with some authority so that they would get my – so that I would earn their respect. But also me acting like a goofball retard on screen at the same time. So I'd be like, all right, let's just put the camera here and we'll pull in. And OK, here we go. And actually <laughs> – so it was fun. I loved it. Why did you decide not to hire writers? I don't even think we thought – I don't even think we – thought of it as a decision and we just were like yeah and we'll write the show it, it never we never really had the discussion mm-hmm. um it probably was the right decision at least for that first season it just didn't it didn't uh, i can't imagine someone else even someone we knew well or who was great would be able to just 
run in there and do it. It just was such a specific voice. And you said that the three of you would fight. When you fought, were there was there a pattern to it? Like, were there specific? Was it usually like, oh, you were always fighting for this thing? And um, no, not really. I mean, that that part of what made the trio work well was that it would be two against one, always changing around based on, you know, depending on what it was. That also was often at play during the days when we were doing the state with 11 people. The factions would always recalibrate. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. I mean, of course, there's certain people have certain pet peeves or, you know, things they care about more than other, than other people. But um, it was uh, it was cool. And I, I, I would we're talking about doing a Stella movie someday or more of a t- another TV show or a tour or who knows, but we always uh, have fun with that. Mm-hmm. I had, um, I interviewed Kevin Allison. Yeah. Whose podcast is doing really well. I've heard that. Yeah. I'm so proud of him. Yeah. It's great. And I think he said that at times on the state, he felt like the outsider. Right. Um, he was in some ways. I mean, you know, the state was a really crazy group. This is a sketch comedy troupe. We started at NYU in 1988 and we were actively together full-time working through 1997. We never really disbanded and we still do stuff together sometimes. But um, it was a very, you know, it was 10 guys, 10 white guys and one woman. And we had this TV show and it was really competitive to try to get your material on the air. And then because then you could put yourself in your own sketches or and there was a lot of it was like the house of cards. It was a lot of deal making <laughs> and a lot of maneuvering and a lot of, hey, put me in this thing. And, you know, and um, it took a really strong personality and a and a, you know, iron gut sometimes to get through it. And all of us went through periods where just, you know, crisis of confidence. And it was it was cutthroat in many ways and we loved each other and we were family it was all the same all of it at once and um i know it was rough for kevin it was rough for me too uh in many ways um everyone had different strengths and weaknesses at the time and everyone had different personality things they were bringing to it and uh i know that we all got out of it you know with some scars and a lot we had learned and a lot of love and a lot of hate you know it was it was one of those kind of things at the time what do you feel were your strengths and weaknesses at the time i was well i was very i always gravitated towards organizational leadership roles from early on so i was always definitely the one who was the face of the group from a business meeting or organizing things or making connections and deals and stuff like that i i was I was sort of the leader of things in that realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also very good with editing. I, that was definitely a, something that I always I, – I gravitated to early on and was always strong in and still am, I think. When you're in the process of filming something or of being a part of a scene, are you already thinking in an editing fashion? Absolutely. I mean that's that's crucial I think because I mean, you're – that's what you're moving towards. And so right. you're, you're basically collecting material for the edit room. Um, so that was, and I was, I was also a director on the show. And so, and I was definitely weaker and as a performer for sure. And as a writer, I was, I learned much about writing and about performing and gaining confidence starting doing the state. So if you watch the show little by little in tiny bits throughout the course of the episodes, I'm doing a little more acting and a little more confident writing. Mm -hmm. Do you feel confident as a performer now? 
much more so than then. Yeah, I, I've done a lot since then. And I did my web series, which I was the main character in. And I basically, um, you know, I don't think I don't think I'll ever be at the level of Tom Lennon or some of these guys who are just inborn, you know, some of the funniest people I've ever seen anywhere. And that's one of the things that was so exciting to me being part of the stage is to work with people like Michael Black, Tom Lennon, Michael Showalter, Ken Reno, who are just like absolute, you know, as great as anybody there is. Um, I don't presume to ever get to that level, but I think that I'm learning more and more to widen my my narrow toolbox of things I can do uh, slowly but surely. It's so interesting that you would refer to your toolbox as narrow given that you have the largest penis in Hollywood. That's the weird thing. Um, it, I didn't say my tool was narrow, but it actually is extremely narrow. It's just long. Um, it's actually one of the na- – it's just so stupid, but apparently the Guinness people are coming this afternoon. And it's like it's the narrowest and longest uh, penis, I guess – uh, in the Western Hemisphere, there's a guy in Malaysia apparently who's like one millimeter, and that's why they're doing this like <laughs> measurement, nuclear measurement thing. It's so stupid. Um, no, what I was going to say is it's interesting that you would say you have a narrow toolbox because I think from where I sit, just watching your watching you and your career, it seems like you can do anything. Well, I've definitely uh, sourced from being from having some version of ADD and and. Always wanting to do different things, I've certainly developed many different skills in, and interests in many different areas around this making comedy thing. Uh, so I've liked I like getting into that. And I like getting into the techie side of things. Um, but I'm more specifically talking about as a performer. I uh, I've definitely done a lot and I've done more and more over the years. But um, I look forward to continuing to to learn. <laughs> you mentioned House of Cards. Did you like House of Cards? I loved it. I have to give a caveat. I've got two little kids and I have watched very little TV uh, shows or movies in the last 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I haven't seen Breaking Bad. So I can't compare it. Oh. You know, so and, and most other things along those Mad lines. Mad Men? Mad Men I, I is one of the ones that I have seen. Mm-hmm. Everything. Um, but I really did love House of Cards. I loved it. I gave it a shot. I feel like I got about six episodes in, and for some reason, I just did not fall in love with it. But I do want to see what happens, so I feel like I need to watch the rest. I would push but... through. I mean, there's a one or two in the middle that are a little soggy, but man, does it, the first season ends big. Oh, it's it's right. so exciting, and the performances are incredible, and the characters just get more and more complicated, and and like I could not the last like few episodes, I watched at four in the morning because I couldn't go to sleep. I just I had to see what happened. All right. I'll give it another chance. Gary, have you seen House of Cards? I haven't. That's on my list. But from what everyone says, I feel like I kind of need to start with Orange is the New Black. Yes. I hear that's great too. I mean – It's really – well, Orange is the New Black for me is like – was something where I just couldn't wait to see the next one. I mean I watched it all in like a weekend or something. Yeah, I might do that. I I love the whole new thing of like, you know – Binge watching? Jump into the world of some show and – go nowhere else for a weekend or a week or two weeks and it's great. I did that actually the first time I ever did that was with West Wing. I discovered that show. Greatest show ever. Greatest show ever. Greatest show ever. That's easily my favorite TV show. He's Um, a huge Sorkin fan. Me too. But it's and and it was so amazing to be like oh this is a great show. I think I will start at episode one and then go through you know it's hours and hours and hours and it was just I was swimming in it in my whole brain my whole heart and soul it's it was amazing. Although when, watching the West Wing now, thinking about the West Wing through the prism of House of Cards is fascinating because the West Wing 
presumes or fantasizes that everyone in in um, Washington is acting out of ultimately the interests of their political philosophies. And House of Cards says no one is doing that, that mm-hmm. everyone is only acting out of self-interest. And I'm sure it's closer to that. Um, but part of why West Wing is so great, like Star Trek, is it's a fantasy of like what if. Yes, like Newsroom, which – do you watch that? <laughs> uh, I've, I've watched a little bit of it. I've had trouble sticking with it. I, I – OK. We, we have talked about this a lot because like I said, Gary is a huge Sorkin fan and uh, likes Newsroom more than I do, I'd say. Yeah. Although I keep watching it. But I, but I find – I begin rolling my eyes and groaning like 30 seconds into well, it every time. I think the problem for me with Newsroom and Studio 60 is they both reveal – the tricks of the trade that Aaron Sorkin uses that lessens my love of West Wing by watching it because you're seeing behind the, the seams and you're seeing it done. Do you mean like when he calls? Do you mean when he calls attention to the fact that he's going to introduce a ridiculous plot twist? Just all of his little things that you know he did them. So with the West Wing is, I believe, his great opus, and then now in these later projects, he's doing the same things, but in a sloppier way, and in in in, in TV shows that aren't as suited for it and now you sort of see all of the all of his how the sausage is made and, and i'm not as i don't want to see that yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more yeah yeah um so you said that you are almost finished with your fifth or sixth movie fifth i can't and, believe it and what is that what it's movie? called they came together it's with paul rudd and amy poehler and ed helms and kobe smulders mm-hmm. and it's um sort of a goofball romantic comedy of sorts and uh, just working on that. And you wrote it and you're directing it? I co-wrote it with Michael Showalter and I'm, I directed it. And when will that be out? I don't know. We haven't even finished it yet. I just mean roughly. Sometime in the next year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep my schedule clear for the entire next year. Um, but my show Children's Hospital is on every week yes, right now. I know. And I love your movie, Children's. And your movie Wanderlust is all over the uh, the movie networks right now. That's right. Is I it? Mean, yeah, I've watched it a couple times in the last two weeks. I love that movie. Thank you. Yeah, that was a movie that fully bombed when it came out in theaters, and seems to have hit. You know, in the afterlife, people have watched it and seem to like it and watch it over and over again, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And um, what else are you working on? Oh, not that you need to be working on more things, but well, I have um, this other show, which is kind of an offshoot of Children's Hospital called Newsreaders, also on Adult Swim, and we're starting up the second season production of that, and. Um, I'm, we have some really cool new things in the works that I'm um, not ready to talk about. I mean, we, everyone knows we're working on the Wet Hot American Summer prequel. Uh, and um, there's a lot of other cool things. I can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm also doing the, the next season of Super Jail on Adult Swim as well. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with more of David Wayne. Available now in the comedy album section of iTunes and on AllisonRosen.com. A special episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend, live from the LA Podcast Festival with guests Greg Proops and Doug Benson. They give you the, they give you the receipt, they give you the receipt, a couple of dollars, two yeah. dimes, a like nickel, and a penny, give you and they change. shove it all at you like you're just supposed to take all that different right. information. Oh. Stick it in your wallet. Pouch. What's their question? This goes in my garbage wallet pocket immediately. <laughs> Thanks, thank you for giving me garbage wallet pocket stuff. 
could you throw it overhand at me? And I could try to catch it with my garbage wallet pocket? <laughs> and if you had ever seen my old wallet, it was I had to wallet. embrace whatever the next thing was because I feel bad that I shit I on this segment. Now. The question is, do you also hate when this happens? Yeah, because you get too many things at once. It's <laughs> like being given a big yeah. basket of stuff or whatever. Like, I'm not ready for it all now. Yeah, it's like you're in porn and suddenly there's four dicks. What are you going to do with right. that? Right, right. It's like money bukkake. <laughs> and a receipt. Money bukkake? Did you really just say that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Subscribe to Allison Rosen as your new best friend on iTunes or go to AllisonRosen.com. Only from Corolla Digital. Allison's your new best friend. All right, we're back with David Wayne. And Hi. The, hello. It's been so long. We were just talking off the air about yes. people who don't seem to exist online. So when you Google them, nothing happens, mm-hmm. even though they're real people. And it makes you wonder. So strange. Makes you wonder if they're dead. Except, well, for me, it does. Except then I think no, because if they were dead, that would be online. Right. There'd or be an obit. You would think. Well, I actually once went had a therapist who was really uh, someone who helped me figure out my life at a crucial time in my twenties. And she disappeared, like just never was like gone one day, like didn't answer her voicemail, just no. Like you had an appointment scheduled. I don't know that I had an appointment, like maybe I hadn't gone to see her for a few months or something, but then, then she was just gone. But I did have other friends that also went to see this person and she, they, nobody knew, knew where she went. And you call her assistant and there was, it was just literally dead end. And then you Google her and she has a... Um, unusual name that you that would not be uh, there's nobody else with the same mm-hmm. name there's nothing it does not come up that's so weird and if that were me if I were her client or patient whichever word you prefer I would never stop thinking about that right I mean I think and I, I have a group of friends in New York all of whom were very helped and affected by her and her point of view on life and you know when your therapist goes nuts or commit suicide or who knows what, then you're, right. it changes your feeling about things. And at what point then do you get a different therapist? Soon after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It so you a, never – what do you think happened? I think that she was one of these people that never – certainly never had a digital footprint because she just lived in a slightly different way of life. And I, in fact, she told me that at one point that – she didn't have a phone either. She only had that answering machine for appointments mm-hmm. that, like, somebody else checked. And she said, but I said, but what if somebody in your life needs you and is important? And she said, it'll – they'll come. You know, the, the universe will bring us together if, it, if it's meant to be. You know, so I, maybe she was um, either a ghostly angel or full of shit. <laughs> she sounds very much like the therapist I had in New York except that that person didn't fall off the face of the earth. But my New York therapist did not have a comp- – I, I don't know if she has a computer now, but she didn't have a computer. And her name is Sally Jesse Raphael. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I knew the end of the story because I've heard you tell it. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I toured with the story. Yeah, I saw your one-woman show I think in Denver mm-hmm. and that's uh, how you, you, you finished with that big. Yeah, it, was it was great. It was called – they call me Sally Jesse Raphael's patient right. slash client. I know. And I was, remember I told you to, for the marquee that you should shorten, shorten it, it just yeah. to initials. Yeah. yeah. But then I, di- <laughs> I didn't. And I always regretted it. 
you know what? Don't think about the, the ba- what's in the past. Just move forward. You know, people say that you never regret something you do. You only regret something you didn't do. That's not that has not been my experience with regret. I think and that's things I've a done. load of crap. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, most of the things that I regret are things I did. Yeah. I'm trying to yeah. think if there's anything I didn't do that I regret. I have a lot of both. Yeah. I have a good helping of both. Um. So we talk about therapy quite a bit on this podcast, actually, because mm. I'm a big fan. And since you mentioned it, I will ask you um, if you feel comfortable talking about it. What made you decide to get into therapy? Uh, the first time was that I was uh, got to be in my early 20s. And I had a girlfriend who basically was like, dude, you should go to therapy because I think I was just a little screwed up. I was I was not in a in a psychotic way, but I was uh, neurotic and just didn't quite know how to move through life with enough confidence. I also had a very strong fear of death, mm-hmm. and I was very scared that my parents were going to die. And those were sort of, all that sort of came together, and I was like, all right, I'll go see a therapist. And then the minute I went in to see the therapist, within 10 minutes, I was like, oh my God, do I need to be here? And there was all sorts of other things that came out and start working on it, and it was great. And I feel like in my case, it really helped me solidify so much of you know the goals that I had as a person, and I, I just don't think I would have. You know, it was in therapy that I, you know, sh- she helped me come to the decision of what I wanted to do with my life professionally too, and and I don't think I would have made my first movie had she not helped me and guided me towards getting to that goal. This is the one who disappeared? Yes. <laughs> she did her thing. She moved on. Right, like Mary Poppins. The yeah. wind changed. She wasn't needed anymore. Yeah. Um, where do you think that fear of your parents' death and, and anxiety and stuff was coming from? I think it was just – and this is a very classic male thing I just, I just, and human thing. I just – I was unable to focus on the present tense and I uh, was just always looking at what's ahead instead of looking at what's now and or what I don't have instead of what I do have and that whole all the stuff that sounds like cliche when you say it out loud but that was what I was going through mm-hmm. and um, I also just was really hard to, to concentrate it was really hard for me to just sit down and do something and and get over those fears of writing and all, all of that you know and a lot of it was coming out of having done the state and during the time of doing the state I think uh, it was just all of that questioning my confidence and questioning my abilities and you know, being jealous of people who certain things came easier or people who I thought were better looking than me, blah, 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 blah. Do you think every single member of the state uh, had those crises of confidence? No. (laughs) I backed myself into a corner because, of course, now I want to be like, who didn't? But you're probably not going to answer that. I'm probably not going to do that. But, no, I think I really do think one of the things that was interesting about the state is the, the people in the group did have quite divergent personalities. And I think everyone had different things that everyone had various crises of one kind or another, but they were of very different stripes, I would say. Um, that is how I would say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was thinking recently, like there are times in my life where, okay, this is going to be a clumsy metaphor. Here we go. There's times in my life where I have 
maybe started to soar a little bit without really trying or started to move fast. And then I think some people are comfortable with that and they just go with it. But I'm the one who I'll, I'll look down and I'll be like, oh, shit. And then I just – I have to slow myself down or I have to hobble myself. Oh, I think that's what everyone does. Oh, good. I mean to some degree. I mean that's the whole thing. I mean do you, do you listen to Mark Maron's show? Yes. Because I mean he talks about that all the time. It's like, it's like well, oh my god, I'm having success. you know. And it's like there's this voice inside of me that's – Saying, I really hope I don't fuck this up. I hope I fuck this up. And the only thing louder is the voice that says, "Let's fuck this up." You know? <laughs> and I, 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 you know, I yeah. find that very true. Yeah. I, what made me think about it is the idea that there were people in the state who the same they were experiencing the same stimulus as you, but they didn't allow it, or it didn't make them begin to question themselves. Right. I mean, and and, and honestly, I don't even. I couldn't even. There's things like that that I would be curious about what they were going through that I couldn't even tell you right now, and now it makes me want to ask them. Right. <laughs> um, we also like I saw most of the people in the state yesterday. Like I, we still are all friends. We all hang out. We all do projects together, which is really great. And it's been decades. Mm-hmm. Yesterday um, was that just a social thing, or actually, um, Craig Wedren, who is a guy I grew up with since I was a little boy in Cleveland, Ohio, is. A musician who's done the soundtracks for almost everything that all of us have done. And he's also in this amazing band called Shudder to Think, which uh, was from Washington, D.C., and really was mainly active up until about 15 years ago. And the key lineup of Shudder to Think that I went on tour as a, as a videographer with in uh, Lollapalooza and around Europe in 1995 uh, reunited for the first time since then, yesterday, in Craig Wedren's backyard to do an open rehearsal uh, with all, all their old group of friends and their kids because they're doing one show in Washington, D.C. this weekend. Oh, how cool. That was a long way of saying it, but that's what it was. Oh, that's really neat. Um, so, Wainy Days. Wainy Days, web series. Yes, uh, which was about a slightly fictionalized version of you and your attempts to meet ladies. Correct. How did that overlap with you getting married? Did it overlap with you getting married? Uh, I started doing Wainy Days right around the time that I – soon after I met my now wife. Uh, so it was not not designed that way but basically the end of my very long single period – uh, then began my fictional single period <laughs> where I wasn't really single. And how did you and your wife meet? We met uh, randomly through friends. Uh, I, I tagged along with a friend to a, a, a party, a small dinner party that was designed for two other friends to meet. And we were the sort of single tag-alongs that were just helping out and we met there. But I, she thought I was gay because I, I was wearing a suit because I had done a Stella show earlier that night. <laughs> And I was being like myself and she's like, oh, he's clearly gay. There's no question about it. So I can relax and have fun and we relax and have fun. But then I uh, didn't really ask her out for another four months because I was sort of shy about it and I was, I don't know, clearing my decks. Mm -hmm. Um, Had you had a lot of relationships before that? I've had a lot of what might be called relationships. um, By who? By me. (laughs) (laughs) I I went on a lot of dates and I had – Weird things with a lot of women and sometimes it was like a relationship for a month, three months, sometimes up to eight months. Um, But this was probably the – I don't know. How do you call it serious? I felt like it was serious in high school and college but 
this one was the one that uh, ended up with being married and having kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and how? what was different about this one? Well, right before I met Zandi, who is um, also an actress, she's on Children's Hospital, uh, I had been just flirting with the tiniest bit of um, narrow fame because of Stella and going on tour. And I started to realize that I could just sort of hook up with anyone after the show if I wanted to. And I did it for like two weeks. And I was like, this is okay. I get that I can do this. And now I don't want to because it feels gross. But I was sort of just trying dating all different kinds of women. And I was 30 in my mid-30s. And I don't even know what I'm saying. Anyway, I finally met Zandi. And it just she was in contrast to a lot of women I had been with, very like a real person who we are, you know, the same age and from the same sensibility in some way. And just she... I just I knew the minute that we sat down and had a drink that I just could tell that I would probably end up with her because she just seemed like the right girl. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hard to describe. And did she feel that about you, that you were the right person from the beginning? Yeah, I think she, I think for that uh, – when we got to that first date, yeah, she felt something like that. Um, she was sure that I would – I also fell asleep on the date because I was <laughs> so tired and overworked and so busy. And But uh, – that is still the case. I'm still always working too hard and tired. <laughs> <laughs> Did you were in public and you fell asleep? Yeah, we were just at a bar. I mean, like at a yeah. <laughs> and she wasn't insulted. I was like, by I'm that? so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, I think when she gets mad at me now, she she'll bring it up. She's like, you fell asleep on our first date. <laughs> I'm like, well, seven years ago. What do you mean? <laughs> um, and did you always know that you wanted to have kids? No, I didn't. I didn't ever think – I didn't – I was never ready. I never felt ready. I was always scared just like all guys. And I, we had kids – the first kid somewhat accidentally – not somewhat, totally accidentally. <laughs> and um, I don't think I ever would have gotten to the place where I'm like, I'm ready. So I'm glad it happened. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was – The second one was like, well, maybe we should try to have another one. And then within seconds, the, no- the next one started brewing, <laughs> which we didn't think would happen because uh, – by that point, Zandi was um, at an age where we didn't think that would be. I'm not going to say her age. She's an actress. Is it not like on Wikipedia and out there already? Let's just say she's between 20 and 50. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because see, I feel like I, if I were going to lie about my age, I would have had to start before I was so born. early. Yeah. I mean, not really, but a lo- yeah, a long time ago. Because it's too late. You can't. You can't dial it back. You can't do it anymore. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. No. But so I don't, she has. I don't Who know. Knows? It's curious. I don't know. If if it's on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's not. How do the people not have – some people's Wikipedias just don't have their age. I don't even Lucky. know if she's she got She doesn't a- appear to have a Wikipedia. Yeah. Oh. See that? That's what it is. She's got a website that she controls. Right. So that's how you do it. There you go. Maybe someone should start one and some- put down her age, which is 32. Yeah. Do that, someone. It's a side note. Zandi Hartig. She plays Nurse Dory on Children's Hospital, and you can learn all about her at zandyhartig.com. Now, is she on, does she have a set of checks that say Zandy Hartig Wayne? No. Not at all. She's kept her name 100% for now. For now. Who knows? Who knows what the future is going to bring? Not, who, I mean, who cares, really? If we're, as your missing therapist taught you, let's live <laughs> in the now. <laughs> as my missing therapist always said, <laughs> you know what? Uh, here's what I know. I'm here 
Mm-hmm. You're here. Mm-hmm. Gary's here. Mm-hmm. That's what I have. And I love it. Um, according to Marion Williamson on Twitter, <laughs> now is paradise. This is paradise. Wherever you are is paradise. And I try to remember that. Remember that old song, I've never been to paradise, but I've been to me? Is that what it was? Something like that. That sounds so 70s. It was, was a, it? It was a single in 70s. It was like a new agey poem that actually turned into a hit single. I think I do know it. Um, Someone's going to look it up. That's right. I can hear the keys It's called clacking. I've Never Been to Me. There you go. Oh, I've never. Charlene. Charlene. Hmm. I don't know Charlene, but I like the trend towards one, like Melanie with Brand New Key and just the one name artist, you know? Mm. I'm thinking about putting out a record as David. I like it. But not Dave. Now, does anyone call you Dave? Only people who are being patronizing to me. Really? Like, oh, well, And I yeah. was patronizing you during soundcheck. I'm sorry. No, but it's like pe- people who know me well will be like, that's great, Dave. <laughs> but no. But I, I, I'm telling you right now, I'm putting it out there. If Whoever has david at gmail.com, I'll pay for it because I think it would be really cool. Have you ever emailed that person? I have. They haven't responded. Maybe they don't know they have it and they don't check it. That would suck if someone is just squatting on David at Gmail. I have a feeling they are. How early did that? Like, I'm not going to say the person because I was just thinking the same. But thing. we know someone who has a very common first name uh-huh. and has that name at Gmail. Right. Um, how early did that person get on Gmail? I mean, right away, right? It had to have been right away, and but that fits with that guy's personality. Yeah. It's a fun 20 questions game that we're not going to play. Okay. I think it is time to do some Just Me or Everyone. I can't wait. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Wait, Allison, first, you just missed him playing along to the Just Me or Everyone song. I felt it, he though. He's doing a little bit of guitar. I, I saw the snapping. I loved I should, it. Next time I come in, as I'm on someone's podcast, I should bring a guitar and sing. That's what I should have done. You should. Do you... I could do, I could do something from my first record or some singles, or I could tell you how I wrote some of the songs. Right. This is when you disappear as David. Yeah. Um, wait. Before that, though, I just looked down at this notepad where I jotted down a couple things, and I have to ask about this. I want to talk about it. I want to open – I want to get it out on the table. OK. I don't know what it's um, about. But I, but thank you for your transparency. Mm-hmm. You did um, an AMA on Reddit and asked me anything. Yeah. So two-part question. First, how was that experience? Because I feel like it would be annoying. And two, oh. someone asked you – I'm going to throw them both out there. OK. It's not a two-part question. It's two questions. Someone asked you if you could get a pizza and beer with anyone, who would it be? And you said at that time, Penn Jillette. And I oh, was, yeah. And I was curious why. Okay. Well, first of all, I loved doing the Reddit thing because I love typing. I actually really love wow. typing, and I love typing as fast as I can type, as fast as I can, and seeing how fast I can type. Mm-hmm. You, you must be pretty fast if you love it. I'm fairly fast. One of the reasons that me and Michael Showalter and Michael Black gravitated towards each other is because we're all three happen to be very fast typists, <laughs> and so we could have these like uh, I chat creative discussions that were going faster than you could talk because they're overlapping and you could still read them. And so, and I just always enjoy working with people who can really type fast. <laughs> anyway. And, and not a lot of mistakes either. Cause I find when I go mm, fast, it's lose some precision in there. Or, not too bad. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 you know, I type properly. Yeah. I taught myself during the state to type properly uh, as an adult. Anyway. Impressive. So I really like typing. And so it was fun to see how fast I could answer the questions and how many I could do and go, 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 go. And also um, on Reddit, you can 
format in links and lists and stuff, and I wanted to like blow people away how fast I could do that. Yeah, they were impressed that you could do inline answers or yeah, something like that. That kind of thing. Yeah. So then, and it was, you know, it's it's always fun talking about yourself. Why, who doesn't want to do that? And then the other question was Pendulette. I had since uh, recently, before I did that, read Pendulette's book or one of his books, uh, and I do love him. I do think he's such a cool, interesting d- dude. Uh, who I have never met, but I, you know, I loved him when I was very young and saw him on Saturday Night Live, and I've always been in magic, and I think his worldview is interesting, and I think he's funny, and yeah, I don't know. His Nothing ear began <clears throat> bleeding in front of me. We had he was on the Adam Carolla show, yeah, and he was in studio, and I looked over, and um, he had some. I've told this story before, but not. I don't think on on this show. I don't know when I've told it, but it happened in real time anyway. And he had some blood, like kind of dripping inside his face. And I noticed it, and I'm not a big blood fan, um, but I just was like a little bit – I think I po- maybe pointed out to Brian, who's the sound effects guy on the show. and um, So I mentioned it to Penn because I thought, I w- you know, yeah. in movies, this means you're dead. Right. When, you know – or no, I guess if blood comes out your mouth, that means you're dead. Do you know movie. anyone who is a blood fan? I don't mean to – keep going. I feel like there probably is someone who claims to be, but maybe really isn't. Like Alice Cooper. Yes. But go on. So, so, so you anyway, mentioned it to him. So I said, "There's a, you have a little bit of blood, you know, coming out of your ear." And he said, "Oh, I'm sorry. Does that trouble you?" <laughs> he turned it around and made me feel like the asshole for trying to let him know that his ear was bleeding. Well, now I don't want to have lunch with him. <sighs> but maybe beyond a that, he's a lovely guy. Yeah, <laughs> don't commit to a full meal. Um, there's a great magician here in LA called Helder. I don't know if you've heard I of him. I don't. I haven't. He, he, he and this other guy, Derek, did this show at the Geffen, which was like this very talked about, incredible card trick magic show. Um, and I have recently tracked him down and said I'm a huge fan and I want to get to know him. Wow. Have, did you go to the Magic Castle? I had just went there uh, last week and saw this guy, Helder, perform. He was incredible. Um, I've never been there. No, I had, when I was a little kid, I, I went there. But as an adult, I have not been back. When I was, when like, I was a little kid, I was in Cleveland, Ohio, and I got a subscription to Genie Magazine, which was published from the Magic Castle. Mm. And there was a typewritten thing in front of everyone. Like, you know, here, as we publish this here at the Magic Castle, here's what's going on. With it. And so I dreamed and fantasized about someday being able to go there. Um, but uh, now I can go uh, there now because I'm in L.A. I'm going to drop a name. I don't want to blow you away. Of okay. course, if this name doesn't mean anything to you, then it won't blow you away and I'll just look See foolish. what happens. But um, growing up, we were close – well, still are um, close family friends with Harry Blackstone Jr. Blown away. OK. He changed Consider my first, blown away. He changed my first diaper. And people, what did he change it into? Exactly. People oh, make that joke. Know, but really he just changed Shit. it. He taught my mom how to change I it. I should have thought for one second that I would have been like the 50th person to make that joke. No, you know what? I should have – you shouldn't have, shouldn't have teed sh- me up sorry. for that. I'm sorry. That was unfair of me. I should have acted like that's the first time I've heard it and it's funny. Uh, no. That would have been even more upsetting in, in retrospect because I, I would have thought about it on my way home and I'd be like, that bitch yeah. was, was like kowtowing to me. Right. Like when people sing the Elvis Costello Allison song to me. Uh-huh. Right. I don't know whether to pretend I've never heard this happen or, you know, anyway. You know, yeah. uh, I went on stage with him when I was eight years old you when did. he was in Cleveland, Ohio. Did you do the birdcage thing? Uh, probably, yeah. Um, and boy, was I excited about that. Oh, my God. I was freaked out. Was it – so there was a part of his show where he would bring out a birdcage and then he'd call people up from the audience to put their hands all around. Is that is this – were there other people on stage I'm pretty sure this – or I think 
I think I was on stage just just me though. Oh. Okay. It was like some bit where it was he brought up a kid and it was some it might have had to do with ropes or something. I don't exactly remember. That's neat. But I was super oh boy was that a big deal. I've yeah. I I've also yeah, I saw all my heroes live on I saw Doug Henning and I saw Siegfried and Roy and David Copperfield all those that era. It was really exciting. Very cool. Harry Blackstone's daughter lives out here and works um as a producer on various shows and things. Hmm. Perhaps you'll bump into her one day. Well, I hope to uh, run into her one yeah. of these days in the Hollywood scene that I'm now part of. Right. Kind of president of. You know, the... Uh, no. Sorry. No? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do Just Me or Everyone. Okay. Boinkity says, I get pissed off at the TV commercials that show animals or children in despair. My TV time is for getting away from that. Yes. I cannot change the commercial fast enough when that Sarah McLaughlin animals in cages being mistreated commercial comes on. But she misspelled despair. He. Yeah, I know. Oh, he. I know. Um, so Podcast listener so didn't know can't that, comment but. on it. Oh, okay. Um, do I, you know, I got to be honest. I don't, I, who watches TV commercials anymore? I guess you do. I mean, I Some, I do sometimes. You know so. what it is? I feel like I'm just I'm this guy who's got the kids, and we watch the shows on Apple TV. And yeah, I'm sorry. You know, never really told this to anyone, but here's the thing: I don't always fast forward through the commercials because it causes me a little bit of stress because I feel like I have to like pl- press play just at the right time. So and right. I always do it too early. And then it just becomes a lot of button button pushing. Right, you might as well just watch the commercials. Yeah, we are doing a lot of fights in our house because there are there there is a skill to that, <laughs> and some of my roommates are really bad at it, but are sure they're really good at it. <laughs> and we get into serious. Well, you know, the, the TiVo used to have the thirty second skip. I like button, that, but they now they can't do it anymore. Well, the Direct TV does have thirty second forward and oh. like fifteen second back. Perfect. And if you know what you're doing. You can just ride that like a jockey. Exactly. It's like, get on there and ride it, dude. <laughs> yeah. The most critical fast-forwarding time is the commercial break before Final Jeopardy. Right. If you go too far, you've just blown it for everyone. Don't be that, that asshole. Have you seen that, that Conan Jeopardy thing that's on the internet right now? No. Oh, my I God. Need it's to see so it. funny. What is it? You, you might pull it up and play some audio of it right now. It's really funny. Okay. While Gary finds that, <laughs> let's do this next one. Okay. Lisa says, when getting dressed, I am afraid of jinxing myself into a car accident if I wear my ugly pair of panties. Um, when, I'm, when I'm getting dressed, I'm afraid of jinxing myself in the car. You know, like... Oh, I see, so like I see. if she dies... The, yeah. Like, you know, to discover... For guys, right. I think that's like, if you if you're masturbating and then you have sort of like d- dirty undies... And then, what if you get in a car accident, and they see your, they see that you're, you have like stains on your undies? Are you masturbating in the car? At the moment? Oh no! <laughs> um, no, no, no! In like, this scenario, you're no, it's like about. you haven't showered since then. Yeah. Or changed your clothes. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I mean, yeah. of course, I shower all the time. Of course. Like, like obviously. Right. You seem freshly showered. <laughs> um, no, I don't really have that one. Hmm. Um, I. Uh, I sometimes think about if I. What. I want to make sure that if I die, that people can like look through my drawers or my computer, or everything, and not and not. And there's nothing there that's going to really be embarrassing. Yeah, there is a photo. So I had a really bad case of pink eye in New York um, many many years ago, and it was so just gross 
that and my dad's a doctor, so this and this is probably not the right way to have any sort of medical situation dealt with. But I took a photo of my eye and sent it to my parents because I wanted my dad to just tell me what the hell was going on. Um, but for some reason, it was just I've never looked like that in my life. That like because like my I my the skin around my eyes kind of got puffy. Um, so I keep that photo. I don't know why. But oh, I see. Yeah, that this is a that's long, not that embarrassing. This is a long way of a, saying a that. Pink eye photo. Who cares? You're right. I'm just, I'm, no, I don't. I don't mean that. I'm not telling you how to feel. I guess yeah. I'm just sort of asking. Is it really? It's not. That it's bad. no. It's not that bad. You're right. It's not that. But bad. But if your dad's a doctor, so Fletch must have been exciting for you. Most people would say that as well. All right. I got called. No, it's okay. No, I, I wasn't. Get... I wasn't trying to make a joke that time. I was just. Yeah. I'm. I'm sure. I'm. Many people have said that to you. Well, before I saw Fletch, I was hearing a lot of Rosen penis. <laughs> And you were wondering what that is. Sen- yeah, it didn't I quite see. make sense to me. And then you saw it and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So do you have embarrassing photos and embarrassing stuff? Mm. Well, I, I mean I used to have like a lot of, you know, like Playboys and stuff that I threw out many years ago, thank God. Um, no, I can't think of anything. that I've, That's what I'm saying. Like I've kind of made – I've sort of designed my life around not – I've, I re- Around your dad. There is no privacy. There's no such thing as a secret. And there's no such thing as privacy in today's world. And so if you just relax and let that be the case and have no secrets, then it's much – just an easier way to live and you, your heart rate goes down. And that's how, that's how I do it. I just – I'm not – I don't have anything that is – would kill me if everyone knew. Do you – when you're writing an email, do you think if the world saw this email, is there information in here I wouldn't want them to know? Because I will put sense. I mean, I don't mean sensitive stuff like credit card info. I mean sensitive stuff like, yeah, bitching about something or dealing with it, like something sensitive. I would personally say, in an email. No, not entirely. There's definitely things I write in emails that I wouldn't want. I made a mistake <laughs> one time. An actor friend of mine wrote me an email and said, "What did you think about this editor? Because the friend of mine wants to hire this editor for the film, and I." And and also, what's her email address? Oh. And so, of course, I in order to figure out her email address, I did the autocorrect on the thing. Oh, yeah. And then I wrote the email saying she really kind of sucked, and <laughs> oh. you know, I don't know, and I don't, I wouldn't, I would really think twice about hiring her because blah blah blah. And certainly wasn't thinking about how I worded it too much. Yeah. And there you go. And here's her email. And of course, I cc'd her. <sighs> And it was before you could unsend. And oh my God. And I was just literally hit that button and, and I watched realized. the thing. You know, it was old, it was an older email thing where you watch the thing like start the sending process, mm-hmm. but you can't stop it. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <sighs> oh God. It was so, it was so embarrassing. And then I immediately wrote to her and said, I wrote this thing and whatever, you know, I'm sorry. And it's like, it's, it was did, so embarrassing. Did she respond? Yeah. She, she said something like, well, maybe now you'll think twice about saying things like that about people or just something very curt and appropriately so. I mean, I was it was terrible. Um, Did your friend hire her? <laughs> I don't even know. But what I do know is that one thing I absolutely do is when people ask me for feedback on somebody that they might hire, mm-hmm. I unless it's literally only positive, I say, I don't email about this. Call me. That's good. Yeah. Because I, I, people do for a lot of people brazenly or, or carelessly forward emails all the time, and yes. you, and you real they don't realize they're forwarding the whole chain, 
that that's a bad thing. And mm-hmm. so you think things come out that are really this happens to me. I catch things all the time, you know, inter-office communications that aren't meant for me to see. And that would be a good safeguard in email, that when you forward, it should ask you, Are you? do you want to forward the whole chain or just the most recent email you received? That way, There's probably a more succinct way for it to ask. Yeah, but you're almost always re-forwarding the whole chain. You know? Yeah. But yes, I agree. Right. You've got to be careful. All right. We have the uh, Jeopardy thing. Oh. I watched Jeopardy last week, and I hate to say this. But I think maybe Alex Trebek has been hosting that show too long. I hope it was worth it. I really think so. I was watching the show, and I was watching the show, and I think, I think Alex Trebek is starting to lose it. I really do. I think he's going off the rails a bit. Take a look at this episode. Five vowels for 800. Channing Tatum takes vodka, cranberry juice, 400 gallons of blood, and a lime wedge. Add this tart fruit juice to make it a sea breeze. <laughs> What was the U.S. mail? Made it work for 1600 Steve Carell is a modern-day Hitler, romantically linked to this kiddie tractor pull. Lovely, my dear, yet oh, so deadly. <laughs> the old curiosity shop. Five dollars for 600 Hey, mister, it's a small circular breed of dog that stores bile in a Roman Catholic church. The rotating part is the cylinder. Uh, behind bars for 400. This alcoholic beverage is made from the bloodiest Hanukkah oil, but you had to spit with the wind atop a frozen Wonder Girl. His name was Dwight David Eisenhower. <laughs> that's funny. You know, I, that's actually, they, they must have a bunch of those because I saw a different one. Mm-hmm. But they obviously just slice up the uh, audio and it's pretty awesome. I recently heard Alex Trebek say bootylicious, but he said it in that really over-enunciated Trebek way, bootylicious. <laughs> I can't get it out of my head. You would think if you were Alex Trebek, you'd be like, I can stop doing this. I got everything I need out of it. Yeah. You know? I think he's going to retire soon. I think he announced it. Right. But I mean, maybe 20 years ago, he had all, <laughs> right. the, all he needed, you know, money, yeah. fame. I mean, you know, right. there's a ceiling to what you can do with money. Um, B. Slammon says, if I don't use all 140 characters on Twitter, I feel compelled to go back and spell out the – and then he has an ampersand, a W, and other shorthanded words. Um, sometimes I'll do that. I do that. I do that. I, I, I don't worry about filling it out, but I, I don't like to abbreviate unless yeah. I have to. Yes. That's my thing. But I've heard – I, I know that you should not fill it out if you, if you can help it so that people can retweet. retweet. Exactly. Interesting. The the, sh- the abbreviation that's the my last resort because I, I never want to make two the numeral two and four the numeral four. Uh huh. If I'm saying T O and F O R, I know what you mean. Yes, but if it's and, I'll go to the plus sign. Sure. Yeah, and then you don't need the space on either side of it either if you use right. it. Right. Spaces are the first to go. I think spaces. Yeah. Then punctuation and sometimes vowels. Yeah. You can do it. You can always fit whatever you want. It's it's sort of I love and. I kind of love and am amazed by this idea that we have this artificial limit to most of the way we communicate now, which is on Twitter, yeah. of these text characters, which it's based on no nothing technical. It's just somebody right. decided that's the number. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's interesting. Mallory says, there are certain numbers I hate to write because I don't like the way they look when I write them, fives and eights. Trying to think if I have. I totally understand that thought. I'm trying to think if but there I don't are think, numbers. Is she saying, and therefore I will choose not to write them? 
Like she'll, I think she'll, she's just she hates it, but she does it. She faces it. Add add more of a tip because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's certain letters that I don't enjoy writing, but I don't think about it that much. Right. I also don't write with a pen very often. Do you? I prefer a mechanical pencil. Oh, do you mean you mean because you type to a keyboard or something? No, I prefer a mechanical pencil to a pen. I prefer a keyboard to a pencil or pen. You, I see what you're saying. Some people like to th- like when they're just having free thoughts or they're brainstorming. I don't have free thoughts. I don't either. But they'll 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 do it on a on a pad. I know those kind of people. I don't do it. Um, I live with one of them. I um, occasionally I will feel like it's easier to make a list, uh, mm-hmm. writing it out. But I don't really feel that hindered by keyboard. I was the kid who was – when I was a kid, there was no computers, but I was typing on a manual typewriter instead of writing things out just because I liked machines. Mm-hmm. The Whelmed says, when I see second in print, I pronounce it as twand. Also, third is threered and first <laughs> is ist, not once. I think she's alone. Think that's just you. That's just you and that's really weird and, and- she and she should be off Twitter. Okay. Well, listen, the whelmed. Don't feel too bad because something similar to that, a friend and I decided it was weird that there's um, once, twice, thrice, but there's no, there's nothing for four times. Yeah, it, it would be similar. So we came up with with words for four through ten. Well, what was one of them? Course. <laughs> <laughs> um, dunce was ten, and that was our favorite. Nonce was nine. I'm trying to remember. Oh, oh, double course was eight, um, and I can't remember six and seven. But well, they're on. I, I blogged about it many years ago. So why did we assume it. the whelmed is a woman? I didn't. Oh, Shh. sorry. I did. I don't know. Why did you? Uh, I don't know. Because I feel like only women would like do something that stupid. What the, oh, I, I don't oh, don't make that go viral. <laughs> Jason Dick says, I take a big whiff of the milk to make sure it hasn't spoiled, even when I know very well that it has most certainly spoiled. Oh, I'll do you one better. Sometimes I have to taste it. Ew. Because <laughs> one, one whiff of bad milk and my day is done. I can't. It makes yeah. me so upset. Oh, OK. Actually, let me back up. I don't think I actually taste spoiled milk. But if it's on the line, I will taste it even if I sus- – like if it's definitely turned, then I won't have well, it. Well, I pour milk – Every single morning for my two boys. And one time, like three years ago, I gave one of my children a bad milk mm-hmm. in the bottle because I didn't check it didn't every single time. It. Boy, do I know because it was not a good scene. <laughs> Just instant. Just instant terror. Yeah. And hate. And, and diarrhea probably. And, uh, well, he didn't drink it. At all. Oh. But it was just one of those things. You know, kids are like – yeah. Yesterday I took my kids to Home Depot and there was like a witch – a display that had like an ugly face and a skeleton and I thought it was cute and funny and I said to my two and a half year old hey take a look at that and he screamed for all bloody murder and started crying and screaming and I probably could have predicted that Mm -hmm. but um, and then for the rest of the day he was like I don't want to see that again I don't want to see that again and I was like okay I get it you don't want to see it again you don't have to see it again did you feel bad Uh, yeah (laughs) he'll be all right. Becky says, uh, I, okay, in a public restroom, I feel the need to rip off the first piece of toilet paper before using the rest, just me or everyone. Uh, not always, but occasionally. If it looks like someone if – it, if it's crumpled, because oftentimes the first couple sheets will be – they'll have like a fist. Someone has smushed them. Then I don't use so – I don't use auto, smushed. It's not automatic for you. No. Yeah. I uh, No, me neither. 
Sometimes if there's if there's toilet paper that's just on the ground and it ha- looks like someone stepped on it and there's poop on it, I'll use it. <laughs> um, but I will like you know then I'll use like another clean one to like as backup. Yeah. And then do you flush that one or do you put, just put that one back back on the floor? And in my pocket. Because <laughs> if I need a hanky later or if a woman like sneezes or you know somebody needs their <laughs> cigarette lit or something. Yeah. <laughs> Z Train says, I get angry when I see people with license plate frames advertising the car dealership. Why give them free advertising? Uh, I, don't, I don't get angry about it. I feel like there are more important things to get upset about. Yeah. That's how I would feel. I, th- it doesn't make me angry, but it makes me automatically assume that that person is apathetic and lazy, doesn't care about their car. Because that could be taken off. Obviously, you bought that car with the thing on there. But, but let, by extension, someone who doesn't care about their car... What, what is that? Is that offensive that to you? That indicates to me that they're probably not a good driver and therefore oh, that's interesting. frustrating to me because it's making my traffic. Because like, for example, longer. I have never owned a car before until now because I never lived in yeah. the place where you needed one. So I don't really care that much about my car. Yeah. Although I kind of do now. So I take it But back. I'm sure you're a considerate driver. Thank you. Yeah. Have so you always sweet. had a light? I know. How did he get so sweet? <laughs> that guy's a real sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you always had a license? Well, I did until I, I had a license and then it was taken away when I was 18 because I was home in Cleveland visiting and I went through a uh, uh, pedestrian. Oh, I, I had my license um, suspended because I had three moving violations and then I took an illegal left turn and then they put me in jail because I had already I was driving under suspension. It was a whole thing. My sister was a lawyer. She got me out of uh, How long were you in jail? Like a few hours. That's why you're the way you are. Yeah. I got hardened. I learned some stuff in the joint. <laughs> Do you learned, keep in touch with the people you were in prison with? I learned about Allah in the joint. <laughs> um, no, we do. Yeah, I do. There's like every year we get together and we're like, oh, should we do a heist? You know, but whatever. A lot of them are still still in there in the Bedford Heights uh, holding cell, mm-hmm. the Bedford Heights, Ohio uh, <laughs> traffic court. You'd think that they would have had their day. I thought court, my dad you know? would be so furious. He picked me up at two in the morning and I was like, dad, I'm so sorry. I didn't. And he's like, just the facts. He was making a joke oh. to show me that he wasn't really that mad. That's nice. Just nice. Was your dad strict? He was not that strict because my parents had me after having three girls, and that you know years later, and so they were they were much more, less less about parenting and more about like having fun as empty nesters when I was born. That's great. Or it so sounds like it, it was would be pretty great. good. It was it was pretty good. Like they were they were they gave me a lot of opportunity and a lot of support and a lot of love without a lot of restrictions. And therefore I rebelled less than any but than my sisters did. Mm-hmm. I was always I, I was never into like crazy hijinks or drinking and partying and stuff. Um did you ever have to make up for lost time at a certain point with the whole rebellion? Like do you feel like rebellion is a phase that people have to go through? Um I'm sure in some ways yes, but it's probably in more subtle deeper psychological ways. I never I never went through you know, I never even, I never took a drop of alcohol till I was in my mid twenties. Wow! Um, and I t- did like the most minor experimenting with drugs at the same time, and I just was always like, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, why did why did you not? I drink? just I was among a group of friends in in Shaker Heights, Ohio, that everyone would get wasted every weekend, and somehow early on I came to the conclusion that that was dumb and like not not necessary and had sort of that that perspective on it and I I loved my friends and hung out with them but I just was like eh, not for me and um it made me feel special maybe in some way and Michael Black had the same thing and um 
so yeah, I just never did. Didn't didn't want it. Didn't care. But then all of a sudden you did. It's not all of a sudden I did. It's just like then I decided it didn't need to be like such a rule. Like then it almost became like an an artificial rule. Like it you wasn't, were straight edge. It wasn't like I was. It wasn't a religious belief. I wasn't an addict. It was just like I just didn't. And so then I realized I could loosen it up. And then I was like, oh well, martini's kind of good. And you know, I just like then I did like minor like oh I see what alcohol is and that's kind of fun mm-hmm. and I can try this drug and I can try mushrooms and whatever. And, and I it was fun and I liked it for what it was. But I never got heavily into any of that. Thank God. And now you do drugs and drink every day? Yeah, but like, you know, it's like wake and bake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Okay, Kenneth Boehm, and this is our last one, says, When I finish showering, I use my hands to squeegee as much water off my body before I use my <laughs> towel. No, I don't do that. Oh, you know what? I kind of squeeze out my hair before I, I put a towel on that, but I don't squeegee my body. I do. You do. I just liked hearing you say squeegee my body. <laughs> squeegee my I would body? Never, I would never refer to it that way, but I know what he's talking about, and I do that, yeah. Like, like the squeegee my body. Um, yeah, I think I wouldn't call it that, but I think everybody does. I mean, you just, you know, you sort of, you don't just immediately put a towel on an immediately dripping wet body. You let some of the water come off a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm mentally showering right now. I'm trying to think what I do. I'm mentally picturing you showering. I, okay, I shut off the water. I stand there. Slow down. I shut off Take, the water. Stop in that moment. I stand Just think in that moment. There. Yeah, you, you do. And then you, I wrap, you sort of like let it. I feel like maybe I like shimmy a little bit. Yeah. Like a dog. Like a, yeah. Um, and then I wrap it. Uh, I'm going to have to think about I this feel when like I shower I, I have this tomorrow. memory of my dad teaching me to do that at some really? point. Like he's like, don't just put the towel on. Like just get the little bit of water off first. So you guys, you guys are both doing this kind of like flicking your body gesture. Yeah, just kind yes. of rubbing. Just sort of like get get the the obvious water off and I let think the maybe towel like I'll do shake some my leg the... out. <laughs> it's really like a dog. I like the towel to do more of the detail work. Yes, and I let my hands do some of the early, you know, big lifting. Right. <laughs> that makes sense, Gary. You as well. Yeah, absolutely. I also have. I mean, for me, I have an assistant just because I'm I'm so rushed. Important. You're my, important. Well, I just have so many things I need to do at one time. So I have an assistant, two assistants basically, who, each, who do have squeegees, <laughs> and um, they squeegee me in the morning after my shower. Uh, I squeegee my balls, my dick, you know, blah 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 blah, and then um, and then I get dressed. That's nice. Yeah. You, they, you don't have them help you get dressed. No, that's private. <laughs> David Wayne, thank you so much for doing my show. This was really, really fun. Allison, I'm so glad to have you as my best friend. I am happy to have you as my best friend. This is so fun. I know. Okay, so let's tell the people all the things that they should go find and look at and look up and Google. Well, I would certainly – Or just any of Right them. now, Children's Hospital, mm-hmm. if you want to watch on TV, is uh, Thursday nights at midnight on Adult Swim or just you know watch it online or wherever you want to watch it. Um, and then – I would go to my website, davidwayne.com, and you can see everything. And do you want to say your Twitter name? David Wayne, W-A-I-N. That's easy to remember. Yeah, rhymes with no. rain. Okay. Like Rain Wilson. Yes. I don't know. It took me for his first – it was weird. You'd think that Rain Wilson would come up in my head immediately, but instead my brain went from Rebel Wilson oh. to – the Wilson sisters to rain to rain prior to rain. If That's you, weird. If you want to remember my name, just say Damon Wayans, but quickly. Damon Wayans. And then out will come David Wayne. That's good. 
Yeah. Thank you. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. You can follow Gary on Twitter at G. Patrick Smith. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and we have a ringtone available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. David, that's a segment we do on the show. We didn't have a chance to do it today. Oh. But that is that. But yes. it's, so, it's sweeping. The, it, it's viral. I've heard about it. Yeah. I'm it's sure exciting. you have. Um, and you can get – and you need it, first of all. And you can get that by – you need the ringtone, that is, uh, by searching, hey, go fuck yourself with your iPhone in the iTunes store. And so get that. So you that. have to type and, all that out, hey, go fuck yourself with your iPhone in the iTunes store? No, just the hey, go fuck okay, yourself Okay, 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 okay. I wonder if you did type out the whole thing, if that would pull it up, though. I think it might. It might. Yeah. All right. That's it. Thank you so much. Thanks, and Allison. And thank you guys for listening. I love you. Bye. Hey, do you know? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Thank you for choosing the Allison Rosen Show. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Digital.